0: to episode 124 of Nothing to Say the fans podcast. We have a lot to talk about. A lot of really interesting things to talk about. So much to talk about in the NBA, a lot of most of the show is going to be revolved around the news that happened in the NFL, but there is some NBA stuff we can get to. Um just a whole bunch of craziness over the last week. It has been it has been just one thing after another. <laughs> In terms of the NBA, the NFL, it, it's been wild. But however, in saying that, before we get to all of that, I used to talk, I used to um, read some interesting sports facts at the beginning of our show, and I would sort of fallen off of that. However, I had stumbled across one earlier today that I thought was really interesting that sort of reminded me of that segment. So I wanted to read at least two. I'm just going to read two. Oh, uh, that I found it. really, that I found really funny, and actually, it revolves around the MLB, which we all know is actually coming back. So, I guess congratulations to all of the hardcore baseball fans—you're getting your, your <clears throat> favorite sport back. So, this was the one that I saw today that made me go and look up another one. So, Ken Griffey Jr., who, if you paid attention to baseball, um, you'll know who that is—very famous baseball player, outstanding baseball player as well. Ken Griffey Jr. right now is currently the sixth highest-paid player on the Reds. Keep in mind he hasn't played for them since 2008. So there you go. <laughs> I saw that today, and that was that was pretty. I think I had heard that before, but actually hearing where he placed on the team, that was interesting. Sixth, sixth on the team. His his agent. Really deserves to be in the all Hall. <laughs>
1: they, they've just prorated that contract that he got from them all the way fourteen years. Well, they just and they just traded um Jesse Winker and Eugenio. Oh God, Suarez Eugenio Suarez. I can't pronounce his first name. It's so hard. Don't ask uh, me how to
0: pronounce names. We know I have a bad. Right but there,
1: they are probably a couple guys that were earning a little more than. How much does it say how much Griffey's earning? Yeah, per It year? says
0: 3.59 million. Per year? Per year.
1: Oh, he's looking handsomely. hmm Wow.
0: So I thought that one was interesting. Um, because I, I just don't hear that very often. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Um and then another one with the baseball. Keep in mind it's very obscure stat but it made me laugh so in the mariners 44 years of existence they've experienced more ruptured testicles than playoff appearances (laughs) so apparently they have had players on their team rupture more testicles than the amount of playoff appearances that they've had apparently that number is five for the ruptured testicles and the playoff five. appearances are four. What I don't know is if one player blew both balloons or if it was five separate players. I'm not
1: sure. Is it but <laughs> is it one testicle or is it you? No,
0: it's apparently five
1: if you harm both. Does that count as one instance? The specifics
0: or... of the ruptured testicles I do not have. <laughs> However, the number is five and the playoff appearances is four, so take it for what it's worth.
1: I think they might tie it this year. I think the Mariners got a good shot. As long as no one ruptures, ruptures their testicles, oh, there you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> then I think they got a good shot this year.
0: Uh, There we go. So I wanted to start the show off with a good little laugh because that that was funny. Um, Okay, so let's jump right to the football. We have a lot to cover. Um, One of the things that isn't as timely right now, uh, once the episode releases, which will be Friday. We're filming this on Thursday night. um, One of the things that isn't necessarily as timely right now is the announcement that Tom Brady is coming back. For his 23rd season, however, we haven't gotten a chance to say anything about it, so quickly we can talk about it. Um, Sam, what were your thoughts with Tom Brady coming back for his 23rd season, announcing that he is not done and he will be back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers?
1: I knew it was going to happen, right? Like, we, I think we all knew. I think I was more shocked that he said he wasn't going to play at the initial reaction or the, with the initial report than. I was shocked that he was coming back. I mean, it just made so much sense. He's too big of a competitor and he's um, playing too well, frankly, for him to just stop yep. playing. Uh, it's kind of weird how it took two months for him to really come back on that. Like what happened at home that really almost set him off to where he was like, in games were not even played. Like we didn't even cross the first game, the first week of play. Not even, he didn't even have to sit at home and watch a preseason game and be like, oh man, I really miss it. Like it was just in the offseason that he missed that brought him back. That is nuts.
0: Yeah. There was an interview done with Tom Brady Senior on Tuesday of this week, I believe. Greeny actually did the interview on his radio show and he was asking him about, you know, the decision that went into retiring. And I don't want to go I, I can't quote it verbatim. Um, but if you haven't heard it, I would say go back and listen to it because he provided a lot of really interesting insight into kind of what happened with Brady, um, and and sort of that whole thought process. Um, basically, what I got from it is that sort of the media almost felt like it felt like the media broke the story before Tom had made up his mind, really, and then everything sort of pushed him towards it, and he just I don't think he was ready to make that decision. It's kind of what I got from the interview. Um, yeah, but go back and listen to it if you haven't heard it. Cause it's really interesting. Um, because, you know, Tom is usually, it, I mean, he's been very cordial and friendly with the media and he does give you a lot, but it looked into that from one of his family members. That's, it's a really cool listen. Um, I had said on our show that I didn't think he was coming back, but I didn't say that with the assumption that it couldn't happen, uh, with the weird retirement post not mentioning anything about the Patriots um the sort of abruptness of it it was just yeah I I agreed with everybody it all felt weird but then in the back of my mind I was also thinking of Tom Brady in the sense that he doesn't Tom Brady to me and to everybody I think doesn't feel or seem like an impulsive person so in Mm -hmm. my mind I was like if he chose to do it then I'm going to choose to believe that he's gonna stay even though all sides are kind of pointing towards the fact that he probably isn't going to but i don't know he's not an impulsive person and he's everything that we know he's not an impulsive person so i just chose to believe that he was gonna stay retired but did it come in as as a surprise no and for me it was sort of like okay cool i'm glad he's back but it's not a surprise next story um which I know feels like kind of a brush off for the best quarterback ever, but I mean, like you said, we all kind of, we all kind of expected that it probably wasn't. Over.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see what this year looks like. The, does it look like that farewell tour that he was really trying to avoid? Because I think it might end up naturally becoming that because it's going to turn out like the narrative. I think will be that this is Tom's last year
0: maybe what if it's not (laughs) that's the thing i mean it's just weird
1: like how would he go from one year thinking that it's all done and then he ends up playing two more years like that's just people
0: people were talking about at least the one of the questions that got brought up on espn was will tom brady finish his career in tampa and there were a handful of people that said he's going to finish his career or the fun answer would be he's going to finish his career in San Francisco. He's going to play this year and then go play a year or two in San Francisco and then retire. Right. So who
1: knows?
0: You never know. I think
1: it, San Francisco have got Trey Lance anyway, so it don't matter.
0: Right. They're going to at least the NFC championship next year. So
1: He's the next Tom Brady, didn't you know?
0: right right who also happens to be able to run like nobody's business
1: he's like lamar jackson with tom brady's arm in accuracy there you go there you go not the accuracy because we have not seen that (laughs) right
0: Right. well tom brady is back that happened at the beginning of the week we had to cover that and now i'm just going to kind of rapid fire through everything that happened in sequential order sort of from the beginning of the week to the end of this week so one of the big things that happened was uh the Washington Commanders I think that's only the second or third time I've said that on the show gotta gotta remember their name the Washington Commanders signed actually traded agreed to a trade for Carson Wentz he is now on the Washington Commanders, I almost said football team. I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> I'll, I'll stumble at least once. Amari Cooper is now on the Browns. Mitchell Trubisky signed with the Steelers. J.C. Jackson, the cornerback who's led the NFL in interception since 2019, mm-hmm. is now on the Chargers. Randy Gregory is going to Denver. Khalil Mack, by the way, also went to the Chargers. Then we have Chandler Jones, who signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. Vaughn Miller signed, I think it was a six-year, like $120 million deal with the Buffalo Bills. That was a huge contract.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then six hours ago, we learned that Allen Robinson signed with the Rams. So that was one of those, I can't believe that happened kind of moment. But potentially the biggest one just happened less than three hours ago, and that was Devontae Adams getting traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. And in terms of that, as the Packers get a 2022 first-round pick and the 2022 second-round pick from the Raiders, which kind of, well, kind of feels like a steal. And then the Raiders get wide receiver Devontae Adams, and it is a five-year, $140 million contract. So, That's everything that has happened over the past week. It is the AFC West versus the field. Uh, At least that's what it seems like.
1: In the AFC, Uh, at least.
0: Yeah, that's what it seems like. So just give me – here, we'll start with – okay, let's start with the big one, the one that just broke, the Adams thing. What were your thoughts on that
1: Yeah, I think this was the move that the Raiders had to make. This is like a major arms race in the AFC West because the Chargers and the Broncos were putting so much pressure on both the Raiders and the Chiefs, the two teams that made the playoffs out of the AFC West, were really falling behind in acquiring talent, new talent to their teams. And it almost seemed like they were going to stay stagnant and the Chargers and Broncos were going to keep improving at such a fast pace. I think the Chargers' right. off season has been perfect,
0: outstanding. And they've had they've had
1: a couple because the draft last year with Slater and um, the cornerback they got, I think it was uh, Samuels in the draft. I think just worked really well getting Derwin James back. And all the moves they made last off season, I think, worked out really well, and they've just mm-hmm. built on that with getting a steal in Cologne Mack who still has a lot of football left and getting the best cornerback, maybe the best defensive player with like in terms of impact to a team in the free agency. Mm -hmm. And they added both of those without losing anything really. Um, And so I think that put so much pressure on the Raiders and, and this is such a big deal that they were able to make, especially the fact that they were able to extend and really reach an agreement to extend Devonte for five years mm-hmm. too is so huge for this team. And it just goes so well with the Chandler Jones aspect as well. They were able to make the biggest splash. I think even maybe more in terms of Russ too, like the biggest, the best offensive player, the best new addition of an offensive player is going to the Raiders. And that is such a big time statement for the Raiders as it seemed like they were losing ground in the division.
0: So two things and I'll do the Chandler Jones and the Devante thing, since
1: obviously this is
0: my team. It's been well-documented on this show. If, if you've been paying attention uh, to our show. So one good job by our new GM, Holy smokes. Um, Mm -hmm. The – getting Chandler Jones and, and Devontae in the same offseason is insane. Insane, especially for a new general manager to come in and go, yeah, you know what, um, we're going to get Jones, and we're going to get Devonte, and that will be my first move <laughs> as a GM. Way to um, introduce yourself to a fan base. I think we're all giving you a round of applause for that. Um, not to mention the Raiders also signed, I think, like, 400 players today i was getting updates about the raiders like all day they signed just a ridiculous amount of players and they were all decent players too um i didn't see a lot of negative reactions for the people that they signed i don't need to go through the list because it's not that important but
1: yeah
0: um but they signed a lot of really solid players i think what they really did was they added a lot of depth um which they needed
1: um right
0: so they had a really good day and it sort of and sandwich to sandwich that is it started with the Chandler Jones thing. They had all of these signs that were okay, yeah, they're, so they're rebuilding the roster a little bit, they're adding some depth and then boom, they have the Adams thing to sort of close that. And it really caps you and I were talking about it a little like last week. I kept saying to you I was like, dude, they're not doing anything. Like mm-hmm. we I haven't heard anything about who they want to go after. The Devonte thing to me seemed open and shut. As soon as Rodgers said that he was signing with the Packers, I sort of pushed Devontae out of my train of thought. I was like, there's no way. Because if those guys you would think that they would have some sort of communication with each other, that I thought, and I I had said initially to you guys, once this trade happened, I texted everybody in our little group chat, I said, Aaron Rodgers had a terrible week because Tom Brady came back and he loses his number one wide receiver. But I was talking to my dad, and he brought up the point that Rodgers probably knew.
1: Like yeah.
0: in a per, like you you probably if you're Aaron Rodgers, know that your number one wide receiver is going to leave. I don't think that that was a surprise for Rodgers, and maybe it was, but there was probably some. I would I would imagine that there was some form of open communication between the two. Um. And then I guess really on defense, the Chandler Jones thing, losing Yannick and Dockway was huge. That sucked because having hit him on the opposite side of Max Crosby really gave Max Crosby um the ability to just well, do what he normally does, which is just he never takes a playoff. He's just a freak of nature. Yeah. So losing him stunk. Getting Chandler Jones, who is better than Yannick, um, just in terms of it's he's just, he's just better.
1: I mean, Yeah, he's just better.
0: Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to have all three of them. That would have been insane. But I think how that would you, have been – How do
1: you fit them all? Right, Especially that's what I'm saying. I don't pass.
0: think – yeah, I don't think that that would have been feasible. So what you do on defense is you get a perfect pairing in those two. Just put them on opposite ends and say double whoever you want and take your chance with the other one. That is um, – that stinks for anybody who is playing against – that stinks for any offensive line. And then with the offensive um, move for Devontae, I was talking to Sam before the show and position wise for the Raiders, talking on number one wide receiver, slot receiver, and tight end. You have three guys in Devontae, Hunter, uh, Renfro, and Darren Waller, who Adams, people would probably argue, is the best wide receiver in the league. I'm not here to say whether he is or whether he isn't. If he's on our team – I'm going to call him that, but that's just bias. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, I think it's reasonable to say that he's either one, two, or three. Mm. Hunter Renfro, in terms of slot, conservatively is top five as a slot wide receiver. I would say, who knows? Who knows? But I'd say probably in there. And then Darren Waller is easily the third best tight end in the league, I think, behind uh, Kelsey and Kittle. So Carr, for somebody who hasn't had a lot of weapons throughout his career, now has three guys who are top five in each of their position groups. So my dad pointed out the fact that there's a lot of pressure on Carr, and I agree with him. There is a lot of pressure on Carr, but I also think at the same time, there's just – I don't think everything can fall – if it doesn't go well. I mean, if Carr has a horrible season and that's the reason why the Raiders don't do well, then okay, yes, that's his fault. But if Derek plays well and they only end up like nine and eight or ten and seven, I don't know if I I think in how any would, other how would division.
1: That be, how, be, how would that be possible if he plays well?
0: Well, I know, I know. But what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say is if the Raiders were in like any other AFC division, I think that they would have a real shot to win the division minus the one that the Bills are in. But in this division, they might be the fourth best team. (laughs) Like, legitimately, they might be the fourth best team. Carr's the fourth best quarterback. That's not saying Carr's a terrible quarterback. I think he's a top 10 quarterback. He certainly was last year, but they might be the fourth best team. (laughs) Um, And right now, I think conservatively, you'd say they're shooting for a wild card spot which is crazy to think Um, after finishing 10 and 7 but it's just the reality of the situation with their division um I was telling Sam I think that these teams within the next five years based on the way that they're acquiring talent they're all thinking Super Bowl I'm not saying that the Raiders are a Super Bowl team I'm not saying that the Chargers or Broncos are at this moment right now, either what I'm saying is based on the way that all this movement is happening, they're all aiming for it right now. And they just Mm -hmm. all happen to be in the same division. Um, So either one of two things is going to happen. Either they're all going to eat each other alive and nobody's going to win a Super Bowl, or whoever comes out of that division is going to be like ready for whatever happens because they've gone up against three of the who knows maybe three of the best teams in the league, at least the three of the, three of the best teams in the AFC. Um, if,
1: if you go three and three out of that division, you're ecstatic.
0: I hundred percent agree. I hundred percent agree. Um, and I think expectations for the Raiders right now, Look, I know getting Chandler is awesome, and I know getting Devontae is awesome, but we have to be realistic with the schedule and with the division. Like, I think we're shooting for a wild card spot, and then we take our chances in the playoffs. I really think that that is the path for the Raiders, and the only reason why I'm saying that is because you can't guarantee a sweep against Denver anymore, and you can't guarantee a sweep against the Chargers. You were never going to sweep the Chiefs. I know you almost did it two years ago, but – I think three and three at best is what you hope for. I agree with you in that division. And then you, in order to get a playoff spot and not a wild card spot, you have to split in the division. And then you probably have to win like almost every other game outside of the division, which is yeah. insane. But the Chiefs are going to be have a great record. And I assume the other three teams are too. So that was a long rant about the Raiders, but those are sort of my thoughts sitting as a fan of the team.
1: I think all in all, we can agree that they definitely definitely made major improvements on both sides of the ball, especially yes. giving up only a first rounder and a second rounder for top two, like a steal. yeah, maybe the best wide receiver in the n f l yeah. it's going to take some time for them to gel a little bit they yeah. haven't played with each other in years, and there's it's not going to be like the rogers Adams connection where they can just read each other's minds, but Certainly he not is
0: not the first season though
1: he's such a good ball player in the air that. You could just run things for him, and he will go make yeah. a play for you. Yeah. And Derek hasn't had that since <laughs> a Walmart version of that in Michael Crabtree, <laughs> where he was catching like every contested ball or Amari. Yeah, Cooper and when he was Cooper, when his route.
0: first two seasons, yeah, Cooper in his first two seasons was nuts, and then he sort of just the clipped. But his first two seasons would be probably the best route running and just pure receiver that he's had. And I guess Renfro's a guy who can make stuff happen for you. He's not going to yeah. go up and make contested catches, but you can throw it to him on third and 10, and he can get you that 10 yards, right. If even if there's five people in front of him.
1: But Devontae's so good. You can double cover him. And way you put, different, yeah. Put a guy shadowing him, and you put a safety help on the top, and if there's five yards separation between the safety and him, he's making that catch.
0: Dude, the, man, if oh, losing Zay Jones really hurts them. That stinks. Um, because that
1: one
0: he went to the Jags, I believe.
1: Um, which the
0: Jags, by the way, have been in a huge spending spree as well. They
1: major overpaid for Christian Kirk. That doesn't make any sense.
0: They did. Um, but with Waller being kind of a receiving tight end and Renfro Mm -hmm. being who he is, like, I don't know who the fourth receiver is going to be but the Raiders went from a very average receiving core to a uh, top tier receiving core in the blink of an eye, uh, because it's one of those things where teams were doubling Waller and that was leaving Renfro kind of open, or you double Renfro. And then you, but now when you have Devontae Renfro and Waller, it's like, who are you going to double? Cause you have two, you have Renfro who just went for a thousand yards and Waller who, I think has had like 100 catches like every season, and it has almost 1,000 yards every season as well. You pretty much have 3,000-yard wide receivers on your team. So who are you going to double? And the answer is probably Devontae. I think the smart thing to do would be to double Devontae. But then you have single coverage on Waller and Renfro, which is just going to work. Yeah, they're going to be hard to cover. They're really going to be tough to defend. It's, Carr really does have a lot of pressure on him to make it work. but. I feel like with the connection that he has with Waller already, the one that he clearly has with Renfro, and whatever connection he had with Devontae at Fresno State, probably won't take too long for it to show itself. I imagine it's gonna take a couple games, but I imagine it'll it'll come pretty quickly.
1: Right. I mean, you gotta be you gotta feel ecstatic for this. Are you gonna get a Devontae Adams jersey?
0: I very, very seldom get player jerseys, really. I've not I've always been like a team memorabilia person. Um and the last time we signed a big name wide receiver, he froze his feet. Um <laughs> And and didn't, even then, and didn't even make it to the preseason. Didn't even make it to the preseason. Tom away on the Devontae. Thing. That'd be kind um,
1: of that'd be kind of vintage. That'd be kind of hard if you had a Raiders and Tony of A nice little 84 in black and silver. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's kind of hard. Oh man. Okay, so enough about the Raiders because we talked a lot about them. Um oh, we had to. We definitely did. Um the next so for you, what was the next biggest WTF signing?
1: Uh, you know, honestly, that's a tough one. I think for sheer like volume of like the business side of it, the contract that Von Miller got, I was super <laughs> surprised at. I didn't <laughs> think he was he was gonna 20 garner 20 that much money, a hundred and twenty million. I didn't think he had another big deal like that in him because he he was worth what a second round pick when the Rams got him? six gone?
0: year one hundred and twenty million dollar deal.
1: I don't think he's gonna be putting up the kind of productivity six years from now, so I don't get that contract that he earned. So
0: he's making which he did. twenty million a year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna look up. Keep keep
1: uh, like this is, I'm gonna
0: look up contracts.
1: This is like very similar to the contract that he got after he won Super Bowl MVP for the Broncos, which was four or five years earlier when he's much younger and was arguably a more productive player. Yeah. He put up great numbers this year, but you have no idea with his age and his, um, his durability factor, you don't really know what kind of production you're going to get from outside of, yeah, he can stay healthy in the playoffs. And if the bills are paying 120 million for six years for a guy that is going to show up in the playoffs, then more power to him. But that was a deal that I was really shocked at the the length and sheer volume of it. I thought he was going to go to Denver on like kind of the cheap and then the other one I was surprised at was Alan Robinson going to the Rams yeah. I mean you wouldn't think that that'd be a spot for him because they're getting Robert Woods back they have Cooper Cup who's the best wide receiver in the league they have uh, Reynolds still they have Higby and they're still linked to OBJ there's still a lot of interest there where they want to bring him back and you just go out and get Alan Robinson for I think a kind of a bargain deal what they got him for. I thought he was worth a little more than that. But that was a deal that for me, I didn't see the I didn't see the initial pairing right there, right off the bat.
0: So, okay. So I'm looking up contracts for like some of the bigger um, defensive linemen in the league in terms of like name value. So Von Miller was six years, $120 million, which would put him at $120 million a year. Who do you think the best defensive lineman – I mean, $20 million a year. Um, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, who, do you, who would you consider the best defensive lineman in the league?
1: So are you talking edge rusher or like just – because it's either Aaron yeah. Sure, in the interior. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Miles Garrett's definitely up there. I think both, both of the Bosa brothers right now are definitely better. I think I'd take Max Crosby over Von Miller right now. I
0: would too. With Uh, sheer
1: production that it gives you. I can't think, I can't remember who else was the all pro dudes, but um, just that list right there, I feel like. And I don't think any of them make that much money.
0: So, no, okay. So most of them make at least on a per year basis more. Okay. However, Aaron Donald, to put it into perspective, Von Miller signed six year 120. Aaron Donald, I think we would say is hands down better than Von Miller. However, and he also has a six year deal. This is one that's most comparable. He has a six year deal. that's worth $135 million. So in terms of just sheer number, that's only 15 million more than Von Miller. And I know Von Miller is going to be a Hall of Famer, but
1: and he think plays really like, well last year. Like, no I doubt, it, he played really right, well last year.
0: But we also can't ignore the fact that who he was on the defensive line with. Um,
1: he's not getting any younger. I think he's over 30.
0: 30's too. He's 32. I looked it up. Um, Khalil Mack has a six-year contract as well. It's worth $141 million a year. Miles Garrett signed a contract that was five years, $125 million a year. And then T.J. Watt had one that was four years, $112 million, which was a contract extension. So he's making that player type of money, and yet I know he's great, but I wouldn't put him in the categories of any of those guys, even Max.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't this, that sort of money makes me think that we're putting him in – we're almost expecting him to produce like a defensive player of the year candidate next year. If we're talking about TJ Watt, Khalil Mack, who I think could easily contend for a defensive player of the year next year if he gets the number of snaps that's needed, Miles Garrett's always going to be up there. Um, I don't know why I forgot about TJ Watt. That's so dumb of me. But those guys, I mean, if you're comparing him value wise, then it's almost like Buffalo's expecting that kind of production, which I don't think is fair to him. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But good, I mean, awesome for von miller that he was able to get another big deal. the dude deserves (laughs) it he's first ballot hall of famer it's just crazy to me that a 32 year old edge rusher got a six-year 120 million dollar deal
0: so the von miller thing yes from a financial standpoint was crazy to me i think the two things at least at least the thing looking at the picture of the four of them to me for the chargers to have a defense that has joey bosa jc jackson khalil mack and derwin james is freaking ridiculous. That is unbelievable that that is and that's on two different levels of the defense. That is your secondary almost taken care of and that's your defensive line almost taken care of. Who do you block? I don't know and who do you throw against?
1: (laughs) I'm going to avoid Jackson.
0: Crap, there's James. (laughs) Like I don't
1: Derwin James bought out last year. He showed He's a monster. everyone that those, I think he had back to back, back to back ACL years, ACL shortened years, but he looked yeah. phenomenal last year.
0: That, not, that, that was crazy.
1: They're not blowing any more leads in LA. They're not right. doing that anymore. They're done with that stuff. They're not um, letting it come down to a field goal anymore. <laughs> if, the if,
0: if the Raiders got swept in their division, I don't even think I could sit there and be mad. <laughs> like, I look at all three of these, I look at the three, and now, okay, let me back up. I think at this point, the Chargers are probably the second best team in that division mm-hmm. just because we don't know exactly what Russ is going to be like in Denver. We're assuming it's going to work. I still think the Raiders' best chance at getting wins in that division, is against Denver. Yeah, Um, Splitting with them, and they seem to always split with the Chargers. It's so weird. Um, But that just got a whole hell of a lot harder. Um, And the Chargers having – keeping Mike Williams now, that was huge as well, um, to keep that offense intact and to have – I mean, Justin Herbert now is allowed to have an okay game because you'd think that the defense could just go – we
1: got you. <laughs> you yeah, I need the ball back. Hang on. I don't think they lost anyone on offense. Not
0: as far as I. Can
1: they still. Tell. Have, they still have Eckler. They still have Keenan Allen. They retained Mike Williams. They obviously have Herbert, who can still keep getting better and better in this league. Um, oh man! Dude, when I saw that Khalil Mack, when I saw that Khalil Mack deal, I initially thought that's all. He, that's all Chicago wanted for him? Why weren't the Niners in that? Why weren't the the Raiders in that to try to get him back? Why weren't <laughs> any back. team – I think he has more value than Vaughn Miller did last year.
0: Yeah.
1: For sure. I think he's a better, he was playing as a better player, and he's still got, I think, a little more left than Vaughn Miller does.
0: I'm glad he got out of Chicago, too, because that just – he wasn't going to – they weren't going to do anything –
1: um, of value, so I
0: mean, good for a really good player to be on a really good team, but God, the Chargers being like, and then on the top of that, Randy Gregory goes to Denver. The defensive line of the Raiders, Chargers, and uh, the Broncos is insane.
1: Well, the Chiefs uh, aren't, aren't that they're not bad, bad either, though. No. If they, I don't know if they re signed Melvin Ingram, but he actually played all right for them, and they got um jones and clark still i'm pretty sure i haven't seen that's the one team that's kind of tough to just assume that they're going to be the best in the division because they haven't they've only lost players they haven't really made any big moves they signed that um that corner or that safety to replace tyron matthew and they're going to just let him walk but they really need to retool that defense especially for Devonte Adams to come into the league and Russell Wilson to come into that division. Like They really need to focus on that defense.
0: Yeah, and then um, I'm just going to want to try to hit them all. Allen Robinson to the Rams? You have two number one wide receivers on your team now on both sides of the field. Three. Technically three if OBJ is able to get back and get healthy. And well, you're, able forgetting to about, you're forgetting about Woods. And Woods, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which Robert Woods could be when you, a, yeah Robert Woods could be a number one wide receiver on right. On I
0: thought team. you were alluding to OBJ, but right, but I guess Robert Woods would be more realistic to get back healthy um, sooner.
1: If so, I'm if I'm the Niners, I'm moving heaven and earth to go get OBJ and try to bring him to San Francisco.
0: Well, you I mean you just hope he stays healthy or hope he gets back. That's yeah. the one thing you'd be risking, but. Is that the best? If Robert Woods is healthy, that's hands down the best wide receiver core in the league.
1: Probably of all time.
0: <laughs> I I mean Tim Brown and Jerry Rice were once on the same team. Um that was
1: an older Jerry Rice.
0: It was an older Jerry Rice. Um name value, it might I'm guessing name value it would probably be those two, but
1: uh, Holt um, and Bruce for the Rams, two Hall yes. Famers. Uh, what were the two Colts dudes? Harris, Harrison, Marvin Harrison, oh, and oh, um, um, oh not Pierre, right. not Pierre Thomas. What was his name? Not Pierre Garcon. I mean, um, dude,
0: what was it? Well,
1: he was the better one too, or at least he stayed in Indy a little longer.
0: Dude, we look so bad. Reggie Wayne, right? Or Marvin Harrison? Reggie
1: Wayne.
0: Yeah, it was Reggie Wayne. That's right. He was so good. They're
1: Um, both so good.
0: They were. But in terms of a trio, I mean, that's Cooper Cup, who just had the like best wide receiver, wide receivers season four wide receiver. Let's just invert it Um, of all time. Allen Robinson, who's the number one wide receiver on probably any team. Except the one that he signed for. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Robert Woods, who, yeah, could be a number one wide receiver by himself.
1: And then if they get OBJ. OBJ is the odd man out.
0: If they sign him, if they're able to keep him, that would be unbelievable.
1: (laughs) They're repeating.
0: And then Mitch Trubisky to the Steelers, I thought was awesome. I loved, loved that.
1: Oh, you just cut out a lot for me.
0: Sorry, I love the Mitch Trubisky signing to Pittsburgh. I, I think that's great for him, and he goes to a very stable organization with a great running back and a lot of weapons around him. Uh, Potentially, the best head coach in the league, and has a very good opportunity to do what he was doing when the Bears were actually running an offense catered to his (laughs) skill set. Because here's the thing. Pittsburgh doesn't have to make it a Mitch Trubisky-centered offense. It can be a very 50-50 Najee Harris-Mitch Trubisky um, offense, and they can win that way. Um, They've done it before when Roethlisberger was there sort of at the very beginning of his career, Um, and they can do it again with Mitch. I mean, he doesn't have to be a top-10 QB, but he's got – I mean, he was the number two – uh, pick in the NFL draft at one point or another, and when he was actually playing well that season that he had with Chicago, when they were like really good, he was like an MVP candidate. And if they do anything similar to that, then it could work really well. In Pittsburgh.
1: I mean, I think it's I think it's really good for him that he's getting this opportunity to start again. I don't think it's going to end well for them. Um, I just think what we saw the best of Mitch Trubisky was a very was an offense with a lot of training wheels on it like it was a very like it almost coddled him almost to where it was giving him wide open throws and passes and it was like I think smoke and mirrors is such a good way to describe what that offense was and really inflated his numbers.
0: Okay Um, so I think we've pretty much hit on most of them. I know there were some players who got released, like Julio Jones got released. Mm-hmm. I think Fletcher Cox got cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were. Oh, here you go. Just popped up on my feed. Oh, that looks so good. Everybody looks better in silver black. Um, so I know there were some releases, but in terms of where people landed, um, that uh, those were those were the big ones, and that was. It seemed like – I mean, I know we talk about it every year with the NFL offseason, sort of becoming more and more like the NBA with the amount of movement there is and stuff. But, I mean, the amount of big names that moved this offseason, it felt like some of the most we've had in recent memory.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this offseason, with all the quarterback movement and all the – it's going to be interesting to see where Julio now ends up, but, like, big-name players are – switching teams and switching conferences, and it's really exciting. This, coupled with the MLB offseason and all the moves that are happening there, too, it's almost like casting a huge shadow over the NBA regular season. Like, I just want to see more news about the MLB and NFL from Mm -hmm. an off off the field, off the diamond standpoint (laughs) than what's on the court.
0: So I want to talk about the NBA, and I had I had something that I wanted to sort of workshop with you kind of live on the show to see if it was something that you, like, oh, hang on, hang on, to close out the NFL talk. I just remembered something that I definitely had to get in here. So I apologize for it being so abrupt. It left my mind until now. Are you aware of the rule changes that have been proposed um, no, for no. overtime? So, the big one that got proposed, and this was the one that I wanted to center around. And I wanted to get your opinion on. It. I think it was a, I think it was the Titans who sent this proposal. It was an overtime rule change proposal that said, if a team scores a touchdown, then either one of two things happens. If they kick the field goal, then the other team gets the ball back. If they score a two point conversion, the game is over. And that was the rule proposal. And sitting there listening to it, because I heard them talking about it today and I read it earlier in the week, I really liked that idea. Um, Because what it does is, one, there's strategy that goes into uh, whether or not you kick the field goal or not. Because if you kick the field goal and you miss, I mean, now, Now all the other team has to do is go down and score a touchdown and kick field and they win. But if you – same thing if you go for a two-point conversion. If you miss, then same thing. That's going to end up winning the game. But you have that added risk of we can end it on a two-point conversion. Um, I liked that rule proposal a lot. What do you think of said rule change?
1: I think that just prolongs this narrative that uh, everyone wants to see both teams – touch the ball in overtime because I feel like all we need is a playoff game to where a team drives down the opening possession, scores a touchdown scores a two-point conversion everyone's sitting there with their hands up like oh we don't get to see Josh Allen go on the field we don't get to see Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert all these talented quarterbacks go out it's just going to be the same narrative I feel like yes it takes a lot more I think it takes a little bit more skill a lot more risk leading into it and it's definitely more a higher difficulty level but i think yeah. you're still going to get the same narrative from the, a lot of people
0: so would you then be in favor or against um the rule change another rule change proposal that got uh sent which was just both teams are required to touch the ball
1: like i like a a full quarter or like a like the nba overtime rule where they just play a shorter quarter i don't know why i i, I guess i do know why because the nfl doesn't want to like increase more snaps on bodies so like more risk of injury i guess for for guys and players so i guess that's a uh, downside of it but i think that's the most fair that they could do really
0: Um. yeah, yeah, I I don't know, I I'm all, I'm in the favor, Uh. I'm in the camp that both teams, I initially, you're right, after the Bills and Chiefs game, I was a part of that group that was sitting there going, this sucks that Josh Allen didn't get a chance to touch the ball that's horrible but, you know, you have it work the opposite way with the Bengals who pick off Patrick Mahomes and then go kick a field goal game over and defense did win the game there. Um, so I'm in favor of the, the two-point conversion rule with the Titans because I think it'll ha- you'll have a greater opportunity for teams to get the ball. However, it's not a guarantee. Um, and I like the little wrinkle that it adds. Um, so that was – wanted to get that in there because that was something big that got proposed in the NFL. So – Okay, so with the NBA, um, one of the conversations that I heard earlier in the week, and honestly, I've heard throughout the season, is really the idea of how the NBA season is so, it's been devalued almost. Like it feels like the regular season for a lot of players and for fans, like just isn't as important as the regular season i mean as the playoffs do you agree with that
1: yeah that's with any sport
0: right so the one sport that it's the same thing with baseball i mean baseball has what 162 games um, wow. that's a lot of baseball and i know a lot of people have been clamoring to shorten the baseball season to make each game more meaningful which is something that the nfl has with all of their games. They only have 16. There's a scarcity of games and 17. it makes 17, sorry. Um, <laughs> God, that's right. <laughs> um, there's such a scarcity of games that it makes each one feel so much more impactful because what loss here or there really does determine where you're going to end up. The NBA has 82 games, that's a lot of basketball games. And I know for me personally, I mean, how much of the Kings have you been watching this year?
1: What what was that?
0: How much of the Kings have you been watching this year?
1: Well, they suck though.
0: I know they suck, but like legitimately. <laughs> uh
1: a, a third of their games are probably. How much got.
0: NBA have you been watching regularly?
1: Barely if any.
0: Right, not a lot. And I I check in I check in enough to make sure that I can speak intelligently about the NBA when when I need to and I I listen to podcasts about the the NBA just to keep myself informed but the one thing that I really do think and I think we all agree that the NBA does need to change is figuring out a way to incentivize the regular season you have so many one you have so many players who sit out during a lot of these games and a lot of players have complained about you know the back-to-backs, and so you don't want to play back-to-backs because you want to save your players for the playoffs, and there's just too many. So I was sitting here, and I was like, I'm going to fix the NBA. I'm going to figure out a way to fix the NBA schedule. So I had an idea.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: want to run it by you. Here's my proposal. And this would shorten the NBA by about 30 games. But I think it would, I think it's worth at least discussing. And you can tell me if it's a stupid idea or not, but <clears throat> And there is one room for improvement if you want to make it a little bit longer, but I'll address that in a second. So if we're talking, let's talk about this King specifically, because that is our team. So they play in, they play in the West and they're the, the Pacific division. There are 30. So for anybody who doesn't, there are 30 teams in the NBA, three divisions in the East and three divisions in the West. So each division comprised is comprised of five teams. So we're talking about the Kings. You play everybody in your division four times, which is what happens now, I believe. Mm -hmm. So you keep that. So that would be 16 games between divisional opponents. Then we move out to the West. That'd be 10 more teams. You play each of those teams twice. You get one home court game and one away game, which would mean that would amount to 20 games. And then... Every year with the Eastern com- with the Eastern Conference, you only play them one time a year, and each year you alternate on who gets the home and who gets the away game. Which would mean you play every team in the East once, either home or away, and then the next year that flips. So that way, over time, there's no like competitive disadvantage in the long run. Which would mean there'd only be 15 games from that. So what you'd get is you'd get 16 plus 20 plus 15, which would equal to 51 NBA games. Now, if you think that's not enough, then what you could do is you could add a second game against all of the Eastern Conference teams, which would bring that up to what, 66? But again, I, I think 51 is a good number. I And I like the format that I sort of laid out. Um, I think what it does is one... You eliminate 31 games, so you get that scarcity of product. And what you could also do is for all those players who don't like rest, who don't like playing on back to backs, you open up the entire NBA season for not having those back to backs. So that problem is now no, maybe you haven't, you know, won every once in a while, but the amount of back to backs that you have, or like late games, early morning flights and stuff like that all that stuff that you have with the scheduling I feel like you can definitely spread out over the season and then you effectively eliminate that kind of those problems so you eliminate the amount of games that you have to play on the players and then you also give a scarcity of product for the league which I feel like would incentivize each of the games so what do you think of the 51 game NBA proposal
1: I might be interested if they tried it the I don't think it's applicable to the real world just because of 31 potential earnings that these owners will miss out on. With, which I think is a yes. huge thing that I don't think you'd really sell to these owners. If, especially if you're arguing sustainability of the league, I mean, that's, that's tough to, to justify that much left off the bottom line. Um also what did i have oh i i think the um i think it would be really interesting too cuz i think it would improve the play you would have more time for players to players and teams to practice more time spent with each other to really create a culture and a cohesion really uh the road trips i feel like would be a little longer with the amount of time in between each game as well but I think it it'd be awesome on players' bodies. There'd be no, there'd be no excuse. Nothing you could yep. say about rest. There's nothing you could say about that. Um yeah, I think it's hmm. It's tough because I think small market teams, especially if you're an Eastern conference, say like you're in Orlando Magic, you need those games against the Lakers, Clippers um it's another big one uh oh gosh dallas golden state's a huge one you need those huge market games on your schedule because those really drive fans to your to your stadium and say you were giving that away for a year like you're just missing out on that for an entire year you can lose all those fans and all that revenue generated from that one game and it's Maybe not that big of a deal, but I think it's just something that's monetarily something that would have to be really talked about and really justified. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's assume that all of the money gets worked out. Just the schedule. Are you going for it, or are you against it?
1: Yeah, I'll greenlight it. I'll uh, I'll call Adam Silver and see what he says. But
0: so I don't here's, know what's going to happen. So here's I here's what I'm going to try to do. Just just as a just as a fun fanboy, I'm going to send a video of that proposal to any ESPN person that I have that I know um, has a social media following. And over the next couple months, I'll see if they answer. I'll I'll make that promise to everybody here. Whether I'm not saying it's going to get on the air or not, but I would like to get somebody else's opinion on it. And if I can send it to maybe a producer or maybe somebody who I because I've had I've had like fitness trainers who i love who have a massive following send me videos back on questions that i had about that industry so like i've communicated with some of my favorite trainers i just did actually the other day with one of my actually with my favorite trainer ever he answered me back um so it's not impossible i'll send it to anybody who i can find and see if i can get something (laughs) um we'll see i don't know (laughs) Yeah, all it takes is one person to answer me back. I'll send it to, like, a bunch and see see if it happens. Um, but that was my proposal, and I feel like it takes care of a lot of problems. I understand that it – the TV deal is – I mean, it's just the money that the owners would lose, and you are losing so many games um, throughout the season. So I know that that's a lot of money down the drain, but – if the financials got worked out, that's more of what I've been interested in hearing. Is that if the money did get worked out, is that a decent proposal? So I'll do my best to send that to people who I think might see it, and then I'll get back to everybody on the show. So, um, all right. Um, in terms of the NBA season as a whole, I mean we're getting to the home stretch um, right now. Your standings, let uh, me that up real quick. I have the division standings, not the league. So right now, I'm just reading off the the three best records in the league right now. All are in the West. You have Phoenix sitting at top uh, at top right now, um, at 56 and 14. Memphis and then Golden State fall just a little bit behind them. Draymond Green came back, so that'll be huge for Golden State. I don't know what the hell happened to the Lakers. <laughs> But, I mean, they have fallen off a cliff. I saw Mm -hmm. a stat about the the Lakers. This was 12 hours ago. This says, for the first time since LeBron's rookie season. This is the first time since LeBron's rookie season that his team is 11 games under 500. The Lakers are bad. The Lakers are really bad. And, I mean, what – what do you think is going to happen
1: to LeBron after this season? I could see him moving on. I could also see him being pretty content with his life in L.A. and trying to stay and really just kind of telling himself that they can retool. I mean, he's he's playing some of the best basketball he's played in a long time in his age 37 year. And there's no reason to think that he can't do that again next year because his skills aren't deteriorating just if, if his body's going to fail him or not. So I could see him really trying to say, hey, we can package Anthony Davis and try to move in for something and give away Russell Westbrook. We'll take on any massive contract that entails, but really try to retool and hope that uh, Bronny makes it to the NBA pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, our NBA coverage, and more specifically, is going to get more specific as sort of the playoffs start to eke in. We'll do a lot of matchup previews. Um, we're going to try to get our buddy Josh on the show, um, who is like probably as connected to the NBA, NBA as anybody that I know. You guys, we've had him on before. You know his YouTube channel. Um, if you haven't, if you don't know his YouTube channel, just type in Josh Carson, uh, JC3 on YouTube, and you'll find him. Um, he's got a pretty big following now. He's worked really hard, and he deserves every every bit of that. Um, so we're going to try to get him back on the show, um, and then baseball is also going to be a hot topic on the show. I told Sam last season that I wanted to get more plugged in to baseball, just so we could have some more topics to talk about on the show, because a lot of the time it is just football, um, basketball, and also closet uh, show, closet tennis show as well. Um, <laughs> so. baseball is coming back so that'll be huge Uh, we'll have more topics to talk about on the show going forward um yeah that's pretty much all i had slated unless you had a pocket segment that you wanted to throw out there anything about the last kingdom
1: (laughs) i'm gonna need you to uh, i'm gonna need you to pinch yourself because you're not wearing green
0: oh yeah here i have a folder on my desk that's green
1: that doesn't count
0: all right. Well, my middle name's Patrick. Does that count? I'm that like... doesn't count. <laughs> right here. Pinch. There you go.
1: That's what the uh, we didn't really address this in the beginning. We just kind of let it happen.
0: I felt like it was uh, a pretty self-explanatory. It's
1: it's permanent.
0: Permanent. It's a tattoo.
1: Nice. Yeah, I said I'd never get a tattoo but then I just went 0 to 100 and got a face tattoo.
0: I might be getting one tomorrow right here, so we'll see how that goes. Okay. Um, so this is what it looks like now and we'll see if we'll see if that changes tomorrow. I still haven't seen the final draft yet. So he's either going to send it to me tonight or tomorrow morning, so we'll see.
1: Well, I hope it's good.
0: You know me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. All right, well Thank you all so much for watching or listening to episode 124 of Nothing to Say the Fans Podcast. We really do appreciate it. A lot to cover, and we will – well, I mean, we did the best we could, uh, but we'll be back next week with a lot more information and, yeah, a lot more laughs, hopefully. So hope you all have a safe weekend, and we'll see you all very soon.